Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. Welcome to Car Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm your host, Scott Benjamin. And I am Kurt Guerin. You know, I'm, I'm super excited about this show this week because we've got a topic that's got a lot of meat to it and it's something that I think that uh, is going to be just ripe for conversation between the two of us because we both have an interest in this sort of thing anyway. Um, you know, a little bit of track driving, a little bit of uh, a little thrill seeking, I guess, maybe. We're both kind of uh, not adrenaline junkies, but we both like to uh, kind of test the limits of our vehicles, kind of, yeah. uh, you know, just get out there and have a little bit of fun in them. And mm-hmm. I think this is something that a lot of people can relate to. Maybe not a lot of people have done this this in the past, of course. I think we're going to find very few of our listeners have actually done this, but there are a couple of examples that that I'll tell you about in just a moment. So let's just jump right into it, and I'll tell our listeners what we're going to be talking about today. And it was kind of a question that I had, and it's something that I I know I voiced on uh, my other show on Car Stuff in the past, and and I think I've maybe answered a little bit, and and we've even discussed this track, and and, uh, I'll get to all of this so you, you understand in just a moment, but my question is about the Nürburgring, and the Nürburgring has in the past, I don't know, decade or maybe even 12, 15 years, seemed to be the place that manufacturers have taken their automobiles to test the limits, to see how fast they can lap the Nürburgring. And there's a specific part of the Nürburgring that they do this in. There's, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a certain loop that they test it on that we'll talk about. It, it, what it is is it's kind of like a, a level playing field for all manufacturers to be able to go and say, we can run this track at this speed in this amount of time in this car, and that's why our car is the best. And if you think you can top it, go do it. Yeah. And it offers a bunch of different types of conditions as well through the surface of the course and the terrain mm-hmm. and weather and all sorts of other obstacles that make it interesting and kind of like a some, something to brag about. Oh, absolutely. We're, we'll talk about all of this because there's some really, there's, believe it or not, even the weather is a fascinating topic on this track. Yeah. And so is the, like the surface material because it changes over, over time, uh, over distance rather. And maybe one of the coolest things about this is that you can go and drive on this track if you just have a few dollars in your pocket. It doesn't yeah. really cost that much money. It's officially a toll road. And I, I know I'm probably not giving anything away by saying that right now. And man, there's some fascinating things that go along with this whole thing. Now, now here's a, a little bit of background, and I, I want to temper this with this thought. Okay, there's a Car Stuff episode on the Nürburgring, and we went through a lot of history. We went through the details of how they've modified the track and, you know, like, the, you know, the different curves and all that stuff and, and the, uh, the barriers and it, it, just a lot of information about the track itself. So there's a ton of history. There's a ton of material there about Grand Prix, you know, about Grand Prix racing and about, um, you know, the switch over to Formula One and all of that. It's all there. Uh, so I don't want to I don't want to double up on too much of that and I know that's tough not to step on that. So we're going we're going to have a little bit of overlap but not a whole lot. Now there's a few things that I do I do feel like we need to repeat. This is just because there's some really interesting things about this track that I and I think are important and one number one probably the, the most important thing that we need to know about this track is that it's insanely dangerous. 
insanely dangerous. I mean, it really is. And it was designed a long, long time ago. I think the track was built in, what, 1925? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's like, it's a huge, huge track. It's it's what, um, well, in its current uh, uh, form, I think that the overall lap, if you, uh, uh, the, the Nordschleif, or Nordschleif that we're going to talk about, which is the North Loop, um, is about 14, uh, it's over 14 miles, right? Yeah. Okay. And so, over 150 turns. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's another important point. This is a, this is a course that goes through the mountains. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd like to see what the elevation change is I think over it, the course of a lap. I think, that, I think that I read somewhere that the elevation change is over 1,000 feet. Uh, between the start and finish of the of the track, so um, oh, yeah. really an interesting track. It's it's fascinating. What do you say? One hundred and fifty some turns. Yeah, what, they had more. They tried to make it safer, <laughs> and uh, and that's partly due to uh, Jackie Stewart. Uh, in fact, it's it's mostly due to Jackie Stewart and a lot of other F one drivers that got together and said we are actually they're actually going to boycott this race if they didn't make some changes. And this this wasn't always the case because. Early on, you know, Formula One, it was, it was a little bit different. It was, it, was, it was fast, sure, but it wasn't quite as fast and it wasn't quite as dangerous as it was in the late 1960s. And That's when they started adding some wings to the cars and add a little more downforce, so, you know, where the car stuck to the track. Exactly. Right? And the, so when they, when they would go over some of the more, uh, I guess, pronounced elevation, quick elevation changes... Maybe the car would get lighter yeah. than, it, than it should have been, or something. yeah. That was, was just, it, I was just trying to figure out why the drivers were so afraid of this particular track, and that's all I could come up with. Well, <laughs> see, the course got fa- it wasn't that the course changed. Of course, you know that yeah, it was the same as it the always cars was. Got faster. The, exactly, yeah. The cars got faster, and the cars changed. They and they, probably more dependent on air flowing flowing around it in a certain way. Absolutely, they're not cars aren't supposed to get. Too far off the, tr- off the surface. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Cars are designed to be on the track surface, and we've talked about this with you know the thrust SSC and you know all the other cars that, that are going fast. Yeah, and essentially every car that we've talked about so far on the fast track. Mm-hmm. Um, but cars are designed to stay low, to stay kind of stuck to the ground. Mm-hmm. The faster you go, the more downforce they have to have in order to stay on the ground. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that there's some dramatic elevation changes, whether it's just a, a little rise or, um, you know, it's like you're coming over a, a crest and you, you can't see what's going on on the other side of it, um, and it drops right off. At this point, the cars were going so fast that they were becoming airborne. And part of the problem was that with the way that the downforce was um, designed, I guess, on these cars, mm-hmm. it, it was meant to act like a reverse wing to push the car down. So when you get air underneath the car it acts in the opposite way. It acts like it's going to want to lift off. And we've seen that in recent years, of course, with Le Mans and, you know, other tracks as well. It's not just, it's not just the Nürburgring, uh, but, but tracks where cars become airborne, uh, these road courses, are, are really, really dangerous for drivers that are going super, super fast. And um, back then, you know, back in the late 1960s, uh, Jackie Stewart was saying that at the time, and I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts even, you know, the F1 podcast, is that, you know, uh, a lot of his friends were dying on this, uh, on this, on these circuits, on these uh, Grand Prix circuits, and the Nurburgring was especially dangerous. In fact, um, one of the facts that came out of the last Karstoff episode, and I think it was something that Ben had mentioned, is that uh, this is hard to believe, and I, I don't know where he dug this up, but I, but I do remember him saying this: that F1 drivers had a two-thirds chance over five years of competition that they would be killed in competition in five years. Two-thirds chance, that's 66% chance that you would die in a race if you raced for five years or longer in F1 competition at the time. And this is like, you know, during the the late 1960s, early 1970s. So Jackie Stewart had a very valid point. You know, he said, you know, I'm, I'm I'm losing friends every weekend on these tracks. Safety's got to improve in some way. Let's start with cars, of course, but let's move on to, you know, safety equipment and tracks and everything. So he wanted improvements everywhere. The Nürburgring, they responded. They changed a lot of the uh, a lot of the track. You know, they slowed down some of the, the corners and, you know, it, it made it a little bit safer in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of ways they can design corners to make them a little bit better. But overall, still, the Nürburgring is just an inherently dangerous course for a lot of reasons. And I, I think you, you are know a couple of reasons why. Yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're trying to get at. I mean, the fact that the track is kind of laid right on top of these extremely rolling hills mm-hmm. in the middle of a forest. Um, it's a lot narrower 
than a lot of modern-day racetracks are designed to be. Uh, the surface is different. The weather conditions are different. And then just the general speed at which you're going. Um, the course was designed at a time when cars didn't see speeds like they see now. Sure, they were fast, but they weren't quite as fast as they no. were in the 60s and 70s and then even now. I mean, they're, they're incredibly fast. You know, I think I want to mention this right now, if that's all right. I, I want to take just a second to say that I think the last German Grand Prix that was run at the Nürburgring, and that's very specific. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But the last one that was run at the Nürburgring was in 2013. And, uh, you know, of course, there were other German Grand Prix. I mean, the latest one was in 2018, I believe, right? Or was there one in 2019? There might have been one yeah, in 2019. Yeah, they just had the German Grand Prix. Oh, they just had it. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, but, but yeah, they, they kind of, like, skip around. So it's not always run at... Hockenheim Ring or at, um, you know, the Nürburgring. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a, a mix of the two, or sometimes it's just not even at either one of those, you know, depending on whether they're going to run something else. Um, you know, you mentioned one thing here, that, uh, another thing that I need to mention real quick, the weather. Uh, the weather is a huge factor in this. Now, this course is so large that there is a there's there's a town in the middle of the track. I mean, there are people that live there, there are residents that live there throughout the year. There's a castle in the middle of the track. That's how big this is. And all of the, you know, the, the uh, surrounding property. I mean, and the castle goes back to like the 1100s or something like that. It goes back a long, long way. I mean, it's an old, old castle, of course. If you ever look at any bit of footage that is maybe shot where, you know, there's a, an airplane flyover, uh, the, the track itself is is a beautiful track. I mean, you would you would just kind of your mouth would water wanting to get onto this track and and drive it because it's such a an interesting looking track. It looks beautiful, really. It does, and that's why Jackie Stewart decided he was going to call it the Green Hell because he feared it, but it was also beautiful and it was green. And you know, the trees are right nearby. There's a, a great sensation of speed and everything. But the weather is something that you really have to factor into this thing because. It could be pouring rain on one part of the course, and the other part can be completely dry and sunny. And we've seen Sir Jackie Stewart talk about this, and uh, he one one scene is one where he was in a, uh, a Rolls Royce, and he's still in his uh, his his garb, right? His, yeah, uh, his, he still has his fire suit on, and yeah, I think like they, a little a little hat. Yeah. I think they picked him up in the pits and said, hey, Jackie, let's go out and, uh, and talk about the course a little bit here. Uh, we happen to have this Rolls Royce for you, you know, as a convertible, very nice car, said, right? perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Dave, no problem. Yeah. Maybe, it, maybe it was even his, who knows. Um, yeah, he's driving the track, and he's discussing what some of the surface changes are like and what some of the weather changes are like. From what I gather from what Stuart said was that the different types of pavement hold water different. Besides the fact that one lap, it may not be raining, and then the next time you come through a certain section, it had rained or is currently raining. The way water drains off of the track is different as well. So some spots it'll dry out quicker, and some spots it'll dry out slower, and then water running across the track in a certain way creates little streams. Oh, uh, that, yeah. So that mean, was, if you can was... imagine flying over a hill and then setting up for a turn right after you jump over this little rise, and then it being wet on the other side, you know, you can imagine how tricky and uh, I guess just generally sketchy this particular track can get when you're racing on it. Yeah, and it wasn't wet the previous lap. So, like, yeah. you know, the, things change on this course over the course of one lap. It's just, it's fascinating to me that, you know, there there is a, a weather factor as well in this. And it, it almost reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, like Pike's Peak or something like mm -hmm. that, where you might you might encounter a day with sunshine and, and warm weather at the bottom. Mm -hmm. You get to the top and there's a, a, a blizzard practically going on. Um, it's similar to that. Or yeah. Well, that's why it may be the ultimate test track in a way. A lot of conditions are different. Road surfaces are different. There's concrete slabs. There's bank turns, yeah. uphill, downhill, suspension gets light, gets heavy. Like you mentioned, it's just a, it's a place where everybody could go and kind of see what they have. You know what? I, I love the idea that, you know, everybody's kind of got their own opinion about what this course is all about, uh, like the drivers do. A lot of them are... Uh, I think a lot of them are afraid of it, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Or at least a, a, there's a level of respect about, yeah. the, about the course. Well, you know, I, honestly, yeah, yeah, I guess maybe the respect is a better way to say it. I mean, to say they're afraid of it, I mean, they do it anyway because they've got nerves of steel, right? Yeah. I think I would be afraid of it, really, if I had to go out and do that. Of course, the first time, I assume that rookies are afraid of it, probably. Yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure that they are. But Jackie Stewart, he said um, in, in one of those laps, you know, he, has, he does have great respect for the course. He 
does, and I, I think he has a little bit of fear for uh, of it because it is a kind of scary thing to drive. You never know if you're going to make it back. He said he always, every time he left to go to the German Grand Prix at uh, the Nürburgring, he would stop at the end of his driveway, look back at his house, kind of like one long moment, and then leave. And he said, because I never knew if I was ever going to come home from that race, because that's how dangerous it was. And he said, it, while he was driving this thing, he said, you know, I, I drive this at speed. You know, I'm going 175 miles an hour on this course at the time. He was, this is back in, again, the late 60s. 175 miles an hour. He said, you know, when I, if I really were ever to walk this course, if I were to ever just like really take in that, you know, there's no guardrail here and over here there's, you know, just pine trees and, you know, over in this area here, like if I go off, I'm going into a stream, you know, that kind of thing. He said, if I ever, if I ever really just took all that in, I probably would never drive here ever again. I'd never race this course. And, uh, and I think he's got a point. He said, the less he knows about the course, the better in that he just knows I got to go fast and turn left right there, right, right there and aim for that tree so that I can hit the carousel in the right spot. And it's just, he knew the course really well. But he said the less he knew about the surrounding part of the course, you know, the, the dangerous part, like if you were to go off course, mm-hmm. the better off he was. Yeah, so he, had a, he did have a healthy respect for it. And, you know, I think there's more, God, there's more to it. You know, we uh, listened to um, some audio from Boris Said, uh, who is also, he's a, a legendary road racing driver as well. You can look up this interview if you want uh, on YouTube. You can find the entire Boris Said um, discussion. It, it's, I think, it, God, the title is long. It's, it's like, it's, um, Steve Letarte's podcast. Yes. It's he's called, a, he's a, he was a crew chief in NASCAR for several drivers. So. It's, uh, Steve Letarte on location, and that's his podcast. Although this one has video as well. But it was from Watkins Glen, and there, he's discussing, you know, the dramatic elevation changes. And, and it, if you skip forward to about the 10 minute mark, that's about where the, the discussion about the Nurburgring starts. And, uh, he's talking about, he races in something that's the 24 hours at Nürburgring. So yeah. imagine how grueling that would yeah. be on, on you know, a series of drivers. It's not just one driver, obviously, but he said something just remarkable here. He said that at the start of that race, 230 cars start that race. 230. Imagine starting the race with 230 cars on the track, and we're talking about a track like what we've been discussing, a long, long track, you know, with 150 some turn, 156 turns. Yeah. Elevation changes. It's you know going to get dark at some point during this race. Yeah. There's weather changes. Uh, there's very little runoff. There's uh, you know the almost no guardrails of mention really. I mean there are some, uh, but you're in an extremely fast cars. And he said you if you're in a fast car and when he, and he was of course he's in one of the top end vehicles. He was passing on average fifty cars per lap. Yeah, fifty. I think he said something like the faster cars will lap the slower cars every. Three laps. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's a sports car race. There's all different kinds of categories. There's, yeah, you yeah. know that, that can make it dangerous too because you've got slower cars and faster cars on the same track. You know what's interesting? And uh, gosh, you know, I know we're going way over here. We have to stop in a moment. But um, I, what's really interesting? He said, and here's our answer. Here he says it's about a nine minute lap for him in the sports car series. So you know that Formula One cars are doing it a lot faster than that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess a seven minute lap, something mm-hmm. like that, ballpark during the tourist and farting. Which is the, kind of the daily driver <laughs> events they have at the track. Yeah. They, um, I think they said like a 10-minute lap is something to brag about. So we'll get there. And we'll, we'll talk about that soon, but uh, I think first maybe we should take a break. Upgrade your home now at Blinds.com's anniversary sale. And celebrate savings up to 50% off premium window treatments for years to come. Shop for your house from the comfort of home for modern Roman and woven wood shades, shutters, motorized options, and more. 100% online. Blinds.com invented the better way to shop. No salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. You can do the measuring and installation yourself or have Blinds.com handle it. Unlimited windows for just one low cost. Our design experts can help you select the perfect styles to fit your home and your budget. Totally free. We'll even send you samples fast and free. At Blinds.com, you get upfront pricing with no hidden fees, free shipping, plus our 100% satisfaction guarantee. So raise a toast to Blinds.com and make this an anniversary sale to remember. Shop Blinds.com's anniversary sale happening right now for up to 50% off. Save up to 50% at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? 
The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgard, Fgard Tigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgard.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash M-O-A. Brought to you by Argenix. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. I love this topic. This is a this is an interesting one because the Trek has so much history, so much um, so much going on for it. We're going to talk about the manufacturers and what they're doing at the Nurburgring, because it's not just you know races that happen there. It's it's manufacturers that are going there and using it as a test facility, and they're using it as kind of a level ground test facility so that you know when one manufacturer says our car can lap the Nurburgring in this amount of time, the other manufacturer has a way to compare exactly to that time with their own version of whatever car that they want to bring. Whether that's an all-electric car, whether that's a hybrid car, internal combustion car, whatever type of car uh, they want to bring, sports car, sedan, any of those things, they can claim that they have the fastest vehicle based on the timing that is consistent at that track. Now, we talked about all the other things that are inconsistent. Of course, drivers are not going to be consistent. You're not going to have the same driver in uh, different manufacturers' cars are going to bring their own driver, you know, whether it's a, a pro or somebody that, you know, they, they have in their own test track or whatever. Um, there's going to be the weather. There's going to be uh, just, you know, even um, atmospheric conditions that day. High pressure, low pressure, wind, you know, whatever. They're going to have to deal with all that. But the, the thing is that, you know, you're on the same track. You've got the same distance. You've got the same timing facility that, you know, says, like, this is an accurate time. Everybody gets the same treatment. There's no, there's no difference in this. It's the exact same distance every time and no, no difference at all, no variance. You don't have to do like a uh, one run one way and one run the other way like you do for a land speed record. It's just a lap time. And that lap time is something that these manufacturers have really promoted over the last decade or so, or maybe even more. It might be more like 15 years. I I haven't really been paying attention, I guess, for that long to figure out when they started. But it seems like for the last decade or so, the Nürburgring lap time is a huge deal for sports car manufacturers. So they they bring a lot of different cars. They bring a, uh, a there's, again, there's a huge variance in. in let me tell you uh, just a couple of times here, and and we'll just kind of get the ball rolling here, maybe, and we can we can talk about you know um, some of these in a little bit more detail, maybe, in just just a moment, if mm-hmm. that's all right. All right. So, but number ten on the list is the the Lexus LFA Nurburgring package. Oh, so a special package. Just for the Nurburgring, yeah. right? <laughs> All right, interesting, right? The time, the, the lap time is 7 minutes, 14 seconds. All right, uh, just in a, a couple, you know, hundredths of a second as well. I'm not even going to read those. So 7, 14, all right, almost fi- almost 7, 15. If you move up, you know, you get to like the Corvette C7, then there's, a, this is a surprising one, the Gumpert Apollo uh, comes in at uh, two th- in, from 2009. This is a car from a long time ago. The Gumpert Apollo is still... Number eight on the list, it's seven minutes and uh, just under seven minutes and 12 seconds. So still really, really fast for that car. Uh, you go up a little bit higher, you got a Mercedes, a Nissan, there's a GTR, of course. Uh, there's the Dodge Viper ACR, which comes in at 701.03, so just under, uh, just shy of breaking that seven-minute mark. They didn't quite do it with the Dodge Viper ACR. Then there's a Porsche, which is the 918 Spider. Then we have the first Lamborghini. Oh, that's a clue. I just gave away, right? For the clue. <laughs> the first Lamborghini comes in at number three. Uh, that's the uh, the Hurricane. I think I hope that's the way you pronounce it. Hurricane, Hurricane, um, which comes in at six fifty two. So they actually broke the seven minute mark. Then there's a Porsche GT two RS, and then the number one car on this list is a Lamborghini Aventador SVJ, which comes in and get this. This is a fast time, six minutes and forty uh, six minutes forty four seconds point nine seven. So just under. Six minutes, 45 seconds. And that's really, really moving, right? Yeah, but, that's smoking. But I want to point out one thing here. The, 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 these cars from 1 to 10, they're all sports cars, of course. They all come in within 30 seconds of each other. Yeah. And that's how tight this race is, right? Yeah. 
And uh, we talked about all the differences in the track and things that can happen, weather conditions and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And then it's just funny that they, they use this as a standard and they quibble over 30-second difference. And, you know, the drivers are all, of course, they're different. Manufacturers spend a lot of money to go and do this, right? And yeah. they want to be number one. They want to at least be in the top ten. And I understand, I, I completely get that. It's, it's kind of important to keep your sports car in the top ten on the fastest cars that yeah. are going right now because that's kind of the standard, right? Well, where is uh, Ferrari on this list? Exactly. They they're, stay out of Germany, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, they say come to Italy. We're racing. Yeah, they're running. This is on where a, this is the good point. They're running on Italian tracks, yeah, I like guess. Right, Monza yeah. or something. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe there's a Monza record that I yeah. don't know about or whatever. Yeah. But um, the Nurburgring is is fantastic for this, and it is a, a level playing field. But you make a very good point, Kurt. And and we talked about this off air when we were uh, getting ready for this podcast. In that, I, I kind of I, I like for a short amount of time, reading the forums, uh, you know, that the go along with these numbers. You know, like when you we look up the Nürburgring fastest times or any article that has to do with, like, you know, someone breaking a record. Mm-hmm. I, I like to read the comments just for a bit of a, a short time because quickly people get out of control. They start to have a flame war about all kinds of different things that really have very, very little impact on on the ultimate time of these cars, I believe. I, I think so anyways. I mean, maybe maybe there's more to it than I than I know, but you and I both kind of had a good laugh about that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so so there's minor, minor things that, that people think make a huge difference. And things like tires mm-hmm. and if the car has a racing package built into it, roll bars and, and that sort of thing, yeah. traction control, you know, the driver of, assist options that may not be conducive to running a fast lap or may actually help the car run faster. All right, there's like three things there that I want to mention. Okay, so you said um, traction control and driver assist type functions. You know, I, I don't know where they stand on if those are turned off, turned on, or, you know, whatever. I'm not sure how that all works out with the I would imagine real race drivers want very little of that. I, but I, I would think so. But even F1 has a little bit of... <laughs> they do, yeah. That's that's the crazy part. Okay, so, so um, it, also roll bars. Okay, so certain cars are built from the manufacturer with a roll bar that's part of the structure of the vehicle itself. So that's something that has to be a factor because it does uh, stiffen the chassis, does make a difference in the handling of the vehicle. The other thing, and this is one that a lot of people on these forums will get just irate about, tires. Tires is a big one. You mentioned tires is one of the first things. And they seem to go crazy over this versus like factory tires versus aftermarket tires, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the main argument here is that um, and it, it, this is if I'm getting this right. And you tell me, Kurt, if you get the same impression or not, or if you have a different opinion about this, okay? Mm-hmm. But what I am understanding is that people are upset that they're not using the factory-provided tires on the cars to do these runs, but they are putting tires on the cars that cost, let's say, I'm going to just ballpark this and it's general. Let's say that the tires are $1,000 each or $2,000 each or, you know, maybe even more. Super expensive tires. I mean, they're really, really pricey, great tires. Sticky compound, you know, all that. However, they are available on the market. You can buy, like, you and I could buy them if we had the money, if we wanted to. We could buy that same tire from a manufacturer. What a lot of people are are confusing, I think, is the fact that they're not using a proprietary race compound that is for a certain team or a certain series or something like that that you cannot buy commercially on the market. You can't go out and find a website where you could buy that tire. You have to be part of that team in order to get that that compound, that racing compound. And I think that's the confusion because it seems like it, it seems totally fair to me that if you want to put a pair of tires on or a set of tires or even brake pads or whatever on the car that you can buy somewhere you know, aftermarket or wherever from the manufacturer, you know, whatever it happens to be. Those are consumables. Those seem like, yeah. you know, tires wear Eventually out, you're right? going to replace the tires. Eventually you're going to replace the brake pads. And, and of course Some they, people, I'm sure, buy a Lamborghini and the first thing they do is buy a new set of tires. Tires for. and brake pads because yeah. they want to improve the braking performance. And, and of course that improves your, your lap time because you can go harder into the turns and you can brake faster and, and come out of those turns faster. It, it, I mean, it, of course... I understand the the importance of brake, you know, like a, a better brake compound, a better tire compound. Yeah, I understand all that. I get it. But if it's available and it's something that everybody could do, yeah, why not? I mean, I, I guess maybe they're confusing like maybe 
stock production cars with production cars. Like, yeah. Is it production That's cars just getting one a thing? little too nitpicky about records. Like a production car is a car that you can buy with things on it that you can also buy. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Like I mean, you, can, you may get a Lamborghini, maybe not a new one, but a used one, mm-hmm. and you want to go out and bust a record at the Nurburgring, but you don't want to have the same beat-up tires that came on the car when you bought it used. No. You want to pop some new tires on before you go run the Nurburgring. So sure, but you should still be considered. It should still be considered a stock car. Exactly. So do I mean in that case, you're. Or I guess the other argument would be. In order to break that record, you would have to go and buy the exact same tire that they put on at the factory in order to make break that record. Right, right. And not to mention, as soon as you run a lap or two or three on this a set of tires, you might want some new ones anyway. What if I have a different air filter in the car? What if I have a different oil in the car? Yeah. Does that matter? I mean, I mean what if I'm using a different uh, grease, you know, for the chassis? You know, what if I'm, uh, all that stuff, like, it's not... It's not production <laughs> gasoline. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the same argument, though. Things that, that are consumable, things that, that you use up, you should change when needed. Yeah, this argument is, is just, it's, it's, it's funny in a way, but it's also maddening in another way. Let's, uh, let's talk about tourist and farting uh, after a break. <laughs> Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgart, Fgartigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenix. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hi, I'm Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And I'm Sarah Hart Unger, a mother of three, practicing physician, writer, and course creator. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. On the Best of Both Worlds podcast each week, we share stories of how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. We talk all things planning, time management, organization, and more. We share what's worked for us and our listeners as we're building our careers and raising our families. We're here to cheer you on as you figure out how to make your days even more amazing. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Listen to Best of Both Worlds every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we, uh, we, we teased a little bit that we're going to talk about something that has a ridiculous name. Uh, this, now, this is a German name, of course, and I'm sure that they don't think it's ridiculous, of course. All it really means, I think, if I, if I had to guess what this really means, it just means tourist day, right? Or tourist driving experience or something like that, something right? Something like that. But, but the word is, is silly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, tourist and farting. <laughs> tourist. You can't even say it. I don't know why I can't <laughs> say it. It's it's uh, we've laughed about this. It's so juvenile. It's like it's like I'm uh, like a kid, like a little kid when when we say tourist and fartin, but uh it is tourist and fartin and all it really means is that um there's certain days on the Nürburgring and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are already aware of this that you can go and drive on the track and you pay a little bit of a fee and I don't remember exactly what it is. I want to say it's like $30 or something like that. There's there's a list somewhere online I know that you can look up the prices, but the list is a little bit terrifying. And I'll, I'll tell you why in just a moment. Uh, just in 10 <laughs> seconds, I'll tell you. But you can go and look at the prices of, of things and find out exactly what it is and when it's happening because uh, there are certain days when they're having other activities. You know, manufacturers have it reserved or uh, they have a race or, you know, something like that's going on. But essentially, this becomes like a one-way toll road. Of course, there's no opposing traffic on this little tiny road. But the the, the reason that the uh, the list that is, is terrifying is because when you look up the price, like to just to drive on the track, they start giving you the prices if you crash, uh, what it costs to replace the guardrail segments, what it costs to have the track team members come out and assist you in your car to get out of the car. They give you prices for 
medical help. They give you prices for a helicopter to come and fly you off the track if they need to, uh, which has happened uh, many times, I think. Um, they start giving you like some really scary numbers, and they're they're high numbers. They're expensive. But um, maybe look past that. Just look at the uh, the price of entry and know that you can keep yourself under control on the track, and uh, and you'll be fine. But, you know, from what I've seen, Kurt, um, and you've seen some of the footage as well, like when, when just anybody can go out there and drive. You yeah. know, uh, any car that has, an, uh, you know, they, they get their engine checked out. They get, uh, you know, it's not leaking oil or anything. They've got lights. The tires are okay. You know, they check out. I'm sure they have a little bit of a um, a prep, you know, that they, they have to go through. There's no course. Like, you don't have to learn any rules, but there are rules that we'll talk about. Once you get out there, you deal with people that are professional, and you deal with some people that are absolute fools. And everything in between. From what I gather, I mean, this any old car, any old person can go out there and do whatever they want to do besides go backwards and do donuts in the middle of the track. I mean, you just... As long as you're going forward and uh, abiding by some basic rules of the road, you can go out there and have have a good time at the Nurburgring. Essentially, those are the rules. Now, there are other rules that, that we should talk about. There's a, there's a funny video about what you should not do uh, on the Nurburgring, and, I, and yeah. I'll, I'll mention uh, these. I think there's like seven points that yeah. you know you're not supposed to do, and and it, they all make perfect sense, and they're they're done in a funny way. But I'll tell you that you know, I've watched many videos of this, and and the you know the everybody loves to watch the fail videos, I guess. You know the ones where you know someone's coming around a corner and they they just lose it, and you know horrible thing happens. They they destroy their car, they destroy their daily driver, or maybe it's a tracker. I don't know, but it's probably typically a daily driver. From the looks of it, yeah, it's yeah, just, just people are, just go out there in their cars, like a fun weekend on their car, way home maybe. from work. They yeah. just dip into the Nurburgring. Yeah, and then there's a little bit of everything. There's there's camper vans out there. There's BMWs that, you know, the cars that have, uh, you know, full, uh, you know, decal packages and everything. It looks like a race car, so maybe it is a track day car. You know, a fun toy for the weekend or whatever. But other cars, they do look like just maybe like the family sedan that mm-hmm. someone's taken out for fun. You can rent a car. You can go out there. We'll talk about that, too. But, you know, those are the fun ones to watch. But there's also some great videos, and I don't know if you caught these or not, but there's some fantastic videos of people that are driving the track really well and some, some you know, privateers, I guess. You know, and I call them privateers. They're not real racers, but, but people that bring their own vehicle, you know, a BMW or a Mercedes or something, and they're just really skilled and they can really handle it around that track. And it's, it's really cool to watch. Yeah. I mean, they're really good. And they're racing close with other people. And that's the, the cool thing uh, in that discussion from Boris said earlier that we mentioned. There's a lot of traffic on that track and it's a lot of different speeds. So you got to like kind of be accommodating to that mm-hmm. and the weather and all the conditions and everything. But um, if you get somebody, if you can watch somebody who's doing this really well with another person maybe that's doing really well and they're chasing each other around the track. It's fun to watch. It's entertaining. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's just as good as any race that you'll ever watch. Yeah. It really is. It's fun. You know, near this track, everybody kind of gathers around this one gas station. And around this gas station is a lot like when, uh, if, if you can imagine this, and I think a lot of people can, uh, when, you know, people are leaving those caffeine and octane type shows on the weekends and everybody is leaving the parking lot and they're kind of doing burnouts and showing off a little bit as they exit the parking lot. There's hundreds of people lining the road. They're very, very close to the road. They've all got cameras out. They've Some of them have chairs. They've got their own personal cars lining the roads. There's fences set up and everything. On these tourist days, people line up like that near this gas, this particular gas station and it's called the ED gas station. And it looks, so it looks like the word ED. Uh, the Ed gas station. <laughs> and and um, it's the the one that's closest to the track, so all of the cars and motorcycles and trucks and whatever, they tend to fill up there on their way to the track. And that means that they're full of fuel, they're ready to go out on the racetrack, they're excited, they're kind of adrenaline's going, and they've got this crowd that's kind of egging them on to, you know, do a burnout. or So you'll find a lot of, like, it, kind of interesting videos. You'll see a little bit of everything. It looks like a, a cruise event or something, you know, where... Some really amazing cars drive by, and also some very plain cars drive by that are a little bit maybe souped up a little bit, ready for the track, or you know, yeah. uh, others that are just plain Jane sedans and are just there for the fun, yeah. fun of it. Um, From what I gather, it's, that's just part of the experience of going to the track, yeah, for uh, tourist and farting. Yeah, it's but, just you go, you get your gas, and you maybe show your car to the crowd a little bit, and then onto the track. Now, isn't that the funny thing? Is because some people will, you know, they'll, they'll get an accident. 
outside of the track because they're trying to show off, but they're they're like moments away from the one of the greatest tracks in the world. Yeah. And they're going to be able to go and just push it outright as far as they yeah, want. Yeah, they can but... go crash on the track instead of in front of the, <laughs> yeah. in, in the gas station. Very good point. Yeah, very good point. Now, thankfully... It seems like there are fewer accidents there than at the the caffeine and octane type shows that uh, that I've seen. It seems more common to see people wrecking, leaving those for some reason. Um, <laughs> maybe that's just Darwin at work, yeah, just maybe. weeding out the. <laughs> before you get to the track, if you can't handle the gas station, then don't even go to the Nurburgring. No, absolutely. All right, so you know that's one thing. That's one part of it, and you know that's part of this little town that, that's right there within the boundaries of the track or near the boundaries of the track. So they ask that you be respectful, and that's one. One of the things that we're going to talk about. All right. So one of the rules, and and again, this is coming from a video that was kind of like a do not, you know, don't do this on the track. And it's very funny in the way that it's done. You can find it online on YouTube. And it's just, it's it's funny in the way that things are phrased, you know, that, so I'm not going to do it very much justice here. You should go and watch this if you get a chance because it's kind of comical, but it also uh, has some decent footage of what's going on there and, and tells you some of the rules and explains them a little better than I can. But um, now, first, we should say that you know it's open almost every weekend, and at the last and the last few hours of almost every day for this tourist activity. So you know they call it tourist, but it's just open for people to pay and, and go on this track. Of course, there are track officials there and everything to you know, make sure that things are safe. They've got flags and everything to, to keep you uh, in line. Uh, cars can be driven. Um, any car, or bike can be driven on the track as long as it's road legal. That's that's one thing. Um, you can only here's one of the rules. You can only overtake another car on the left. There's, there's no passing on the right. If you're passed on the right, you're doing it wrong. And that's which uh, is that's, also should be a rule here in the United States on any road. It should just be. just uh, you know what? people it, out there who who don't know. <laughs> it is a rule. Just pass on the left, not the right. <laughs> it's an it's an unwritten. Well, maybe even a written. Probably it, is it, written. Probably is written at this one point. Of the, <laughs> so overtake on the left, never on the right. Okay, that makes sense, right? Lap, well, get this. This is interesting because of what we've been talking about. If you're going there and thinking that you're going to time your lap, that's not what's going to happen. And yeah, they I'll don't tell want you, you to have the. The clock in the car. Yeah. Now, this you can time your lap, but you have to do it in, in kind of a, um, a roundabout way. So you can use your GoPro, and you can record your session. You know, you can record however you want it to do. And, and of course, that's going to keep time. So you're able to go back later and deduce your time from the GoPro footage. But you're not able to have a clock right in front of you as you're driving. And they many drivers have said, if you're out here for these tourist days and you're watching a clock as you go around the track, you're going to have a bad day no matter what. Because, well, somebody's going to get in front of you in a, a camper van and ruin your time, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so much traffic on the on the course at any given time. You're going to have to pass, and, you know, you might have to slow down and do that. And and that's fine. Just go out there. The, the, even, like, the guys and girls that do it all the time said, just go out there and have fun. Just go out and have a great time. Drive fast. Get your adrenaline going. You know, just have a good time. And know that you've done a, you've, you've completed a decent lap. But it doesn't have to come down to the exact second, to the exact, you know, tenths or hundreds of a second that uh, that you think it does. Just go out and have fun, and it's better if you're not watching the the, uh, the clock, and especially, you know, the, the, the track officials don't want you watching it because it's going to lead to aggressive driving. Because if you start to fall behind in your time, you're going to try to push it even harder, and you're going to end up wrecking probably. So um, I, it makes sense when you think about it that way. But initially I thought, well, that's crazy. They're not letting you time your own lap. Well, you can time it. There's also GPS units that you yeah. can get that'll just keep time as you go around. So there's no reason to have it there on the dash to sure. look at it. And I think you can even, you know, in your own head, you can just like, create a little variance. And you could say like, okay, well, I, you know, my time was decent. It was nine or it was 10 minutes and 30 seconds, but I was held up for you know, a good 20 seconds of that by, uh, you know, the Honda Civic or whatever it was that was in front of me. Yeah. Um, Oh, don't leave the scene of a crash. Um, So if you crash and, you know, you bang up a guardrail, even if it's just you alone, you're not supposed to leave that scene of a crash. Um, You can stay there um, and wait for somebody to come over and check you out and make sure that everything's all right and get things back on track again, I guess, so to speak, because um, there's probably some cleanup that has to happen, and they want to make sure that, you know, the wheel's not going to fall off in the next turn. Oil le- or fluid leaks from the car, they don't want you dragging That's a huge fluids one. across the track. That is a big one, because I've seen many videos where someone has leaked fuel on the previous, you know, the previous car has leaked fuel mm-hmm. or uh, or oil, and four cars will wreck. Mm-hmm. I mean, ruins their day, ruins their <laughs> year, month, whatever, I don't know. It's expensive. Yeah. 
It's very expensive. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a huge issue. There's no standing on the track. And you and I have both seen examples of this in those videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one, boy, one of these videos, a guy nearly loses his legs when another car comes by. He barely makes it over that wall. Yeah, he dives over the fence. Yeah. And fall, I think you can kind of see him rolling down the other side because there was a hill on the other side yeah, of the he, fence. Yeah, he tumbled for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, he, he tumbled out of view. And you see him, like, run up and... yeah. And, you know, he's, it, I don't know, he's, like, flicking off the people with the camera. They're yelling something back and yeah, forth. Yeah, they're, they're probably yelling. Like, idiot. Yeah, <laughs> stupid. You know, get up, get, you know what are you doing? Because he was, he was between the guardrail, which is, I mean, it looked like it was chest high. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. a, I don't think it was, like, a BMW that was coming at him really fast. And it did clip the wall right where he right was. There, and yeah. yeah, he hopped over, like, in just, I mean, just a, half a second before it hit him. It's crazy, um, too, because he was on the inside of a turn, and you wouldn't, there's places where you wouldn't think yeah. that a car would be crashing into, but how? that's why there's the rule. Don't Again, stand I, out of, don't stand on the side of the And I think that situation was an oil situation where there was oil or something slick on the track. It looked like it. Because there were many cars that were wrecking in the same turn for no good reason. I mean, yeah. they were just spinning out for no good reason. Um, okay, the next one, uh, this one, a little, again, counterintuitive. No drifting. You're not allowed to intentionally drift on the Nürburgring, and a track marshal uh, will report you if they see you doing the, doing this drifting. Now, I've watched videos where you can see that people are taking turns intentionally drifting through them. You know, it's if you slide a little bit, that's one thing. If you are drifting through the turn, that's a big difference. And and there are people that I've seen intentionally drift, and yeah, they do get reported. And I think I don't know if there's a fine involved or if you just are kind of banned for maybe that day or that week or whatever from the or track. Or for life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this last one. This is silly. No driving like a maniac. That's the last rule. I mean, that was the funniest last rule. Like I thought, <laughs> I thought, okay, there's going to be something big here. There's going to be something really, uh, you know, monumental here at the end. No driving like a maniac because it's on a public road. And oh, you know, I guess it does make sense when you when you understand this. When you get off the track, you are in this little town. Uh, you know, if you're going to the gas station or wherever, I think this is where that they're talking about is like, you know, you got all that energy from the track and you you're still are kind of at the track, you know, because you're in that area. Don't keep driving like you're on the track when you're in the town. I mean, the townspeople don't want to deal with that. They, they they would have to deal with that every day, all day, if that was the case. And I can imagine that would be infuriating. So uh, the don't drive like a maniac thing makes more sense when you understand that, yeah, there's this community there. And you're really disrupting the community if you drive like that through there. You should just leave the track situation on the track and then realize that you're on a public road after that point. Yeah. Well, what I find about all of these rules is they are generally just rules of the road. Common sense. All right. So I have uh, one, one quick question for you before we wrap up. And I think we already talked about this, but um, would you go and drive this track knowing what you know about it and seeing what you've seen um, in your own personal car. Now, of course, rental cars, if you rent a car from anywhere other than um, a place called Big Garage, which is right in that area, you can rent a sports car and go there. Mm-hmm. Very expensive, but you mm-hmm. can do it. If you rent a car like at Avis or Hertz or whoever, uh, you will be banned forever from renting a car from them if you take it on the Nürburgring track. So, And we do have a listener from Car Stuff that that happened to. He showed me the letter. Um, so, and he showed it was to it, me with pride. It was probably it was like worth a, it. Yeah, it was a badge of courage. You know, yeah, he did. He was. He was happy. He knew. He, was, he knew the consequences. Mm-hmm. But would you take your own personal vehicle on the Nurburgring and drive it, knowing what you know now? It would be fun to go out there and and just uh, tool around a little bit. Would you be a little, just a, just a little bit afraid of some Yahoo that's gonna, you know, try to like they're trying to break a lap record or something? You know, that they're gonna uh, cause you to to wreck? Because I know you can control yourself, of course. Yeah. But what about the, the, the part of it that you don't have control over? A little bit. A little but, bit. I mean, I feel as if you should have that fear in general. Mm-hmm. So it's easier just not to think about the other people. Yeah. And then from what I can tell, there's a healthy mix of people just out there having fun. Yeah. And then there's some people that are taking it a little too serious. Healthy you know, mix is a good not, way to... Yeah, and it's this is not an event to go out there and try to break a track record. Because, first of all, you're not going to. There's no way you're going to get even close to the six minutes and 45 second time of the Lamborghini. Of course not. Probably not even going to get under 10 minutes. No, probably not. So if anyone's planning to go out there, just take it easy and have fun with the experience. Good advice. Now, I one one little caveat that I want to mention here, because I, I think it's worth worth mentioning, is that, you know, when you're on the track, I would assume that insurance doesn't play a factor in this. Whole, like, I think that insurance is probably off. 
uh, they're not going to they're not going to cover anything that happens on that track. I think mm-hmm. so. That might be the only difference between you know like the uh, the risk that you assume when you're on the highway. Mm-hmm. And I know there's still a physical danger and there's still you know um, property damage danger and all that. Mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, but I do think that you're financially risking a little bit more when you go on this track. And it's worthwhile to look into that before you go and before you do this because, you know, again, I don't have all the details here about this, obviously. I'm just kind of, you know, giving you an overview, and I want listeners to go out and really investigate all this and, and find out what's what's happening there because I think there's some I, I think there's some fun to be had there, of course. There's a lot of fun to be had there. Yeah, so, Scott, would you do, do this? Well, oh, would I do <laughs> Oh, this I mean, is what everyone wants. You to know, know. What? I think I think that you know, I might I would probably rent a car. I know it's expensive, but uh-huh. if if I were going to do it, I don't think I'd risk my own car out there. Um, I think that I would rent a car from this uh, this place that I mentioned, this big garage. If you go to want to go to the website and check out the prices, it's biggarage.de, and you can check out what they've got there. They've got all kinds of sports cars, and they're expensive. They're not cheap. You know, and you pay for like two laps or 12 laps or, you know, whatever. It's like different rates. But I would assume that insurance comes along with that. You're probably still paying quite a bit if you wreck it. But I bet there's a limit to it. But anyways, it's it's a worthwhile thing to check into. So look up the Nürburgring and these tourist days. and, and This is one of those things that all you car enthusiasts should put on your bucket list. Sure. It seems like a really great experience. Why not? I'd love to get over there to do it. And, you know, in the meantime, if you want, you can contact us and tell us if you have done this or if you want to go over and do this. We are always on social media as well. So, you know, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where we are Car Stuff HSW on all three of those. But um, I guess that's about it for me, Kurt. How about you? Uh, that's it for me. Anything else? All right. I guess we will uh, see you next time. And thanks for listening, everyone. Car Stuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. Exploreminnesota.com backslash live.